Hello, I'm Darden Page, and today our scripture comes again from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. I will be reading through verse 13. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Do not grow weary. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary of the faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits in life and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. All flesh is grass and its beauty like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask you a quick question. How many of you all can name every other person in this room? I didn't think so. Stand up and greet one another. Make sure you meet somebody whose name you do not know this morning. I think it's always good that we know who's in the room with us. I think it's always good, especially when we're tackling a tough passage like the one that Darden just read for us, that we know that we're among friends, that we're among our beloved brothers and sisters. And so I thank you all for taking that time to greet one another. Would you join me in prayer? Oh, Lord, we know that this is your word. We know that it is true, and we know that it is given in love. Therefore, oh God, we ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be holy and acceptable to you, oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For it is in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. We've been studying the book of Hebrews since January, and each week we are challenged with new ideas, and in the last few weeks we've been challenged with some tough ideas. 
Over the last few weeks, we have read some of the most difficult passages in the Bible, and that continues today. But before we get into this text, I want to just ask you a couple of questions. Do you ever feel like you're being tested? Maybe you don't feel like you're being tested, but maybe you feel like somebody you love or a friend is being tested. Or maybe you're not sure why, but you feel like you're being punished for some sin that you didn't know you'd committed. You find yourself asking, why does it have to be so hard? Did I do something wrong? The early uh, Christians were asking similar questions. They were asking, why is it that if we have come to the kingdom by faith, if we've confessed Jesus as our Lord, if we've acknowledged him as the one who died and rose again on our behalf, why is it still so hard for us? Why is this so difficult? Why is it that we're going through this? Why are we suffering? Why are we losing our property? Why are we estranged from family and friends? Why is it so hard? Is it Satan? Is the devil attacking us? Did we do something wrong? Is it just coincidence? Or is it that God just doesn't care? Those are the kinds of questions I'm sure that the early Christians those represented by the book of Hebrews, we're asking. But the truth is, we often find ourselves asking some of those same questions, don't we? Why is it so hard? Why is this happening? Well, the author of Hebrews has a very direct answer for us. He answers with a word that most of us do not want to hear. The word is discipline. As Darden read that passage, I don't know if you were counting, but the word discipline appears nine times in those 13 verses. That's a lot. The word discipline conjures up all kinds of uncomfortable feelings, maybe even traumatic memories or triggers of abuse, which makes this chapter a very difficult chapter for a lot of people. The idea that our loving Jesus would not only allow but even cause or use pain or discomfort just seems out of bounds. And so let's be really careful and let's break down this passage both carefully and gently. First of all, all, first of all I want you to know that the word that we translate as discipline is the word paideia. And the word used to describe the training, uh, it's a word that's used to describe the, the training of children, as in pedagogical or pedagogy. A pedagogos was a child trainer or a child mentor or a child teacher. But in addition to education, paideia or pedagogy is character formation. It's the intentional training of a child to morality, to manners, to virtue, and to self-control. Discipline is about teaching children to be part of a society. It's about curbing their passions and helping them gain a hold against self-destructive behavior. And the goal of discipline is to teach children self-discipline, to lead them from infancy to maturity. We also need to note that discipline is also the root word of our word, discipleship. Discipleship is training in Christian maturity. 
Now, I don't want to sugarcoat this. The author of Hebrews is not talking about warm encouragement or gentle comfort here, a gentle nudge. You know, that's what we've come to expect when we talk about Jesus, when we talk about our Heavenly Father. He's not talking about those things in this passage, though. No, he's talking about something different. He's talking about the tough love of God. Look at verse 11. He writes that discipline is pain. It's pain that yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Discipline is pain that yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So here's how we're going to paraphrase that. Discipline is deliberate discomfort for the sake of development. Let me say that one more time. Discipline is deliberate discomfort for the sake of development. What that means is that sometimes God actually makes it harder to make us stronger, to make us wiser, to make us more holy. It's like adding weights onto a barbell or onto a machine. Sometimes he actually makes it harder. He increases the resistance to make us stronger and wiser and more holy. Now, we need to understand right here at the beginning that there's a difference between discipline and tragedy. All suffering is not discipline. Some suffering is tragedy, the result of some kind of natural calamity, whether that be a hurricane or whether it be a disease. Some suffering is abuse. It comes from selfishness. Other people's selfishness. Sometimes it's just bullying. And we need to take a moment to recognize that there's a lot of abuse, there's a lot of bullying, a lot of evil and injustice that takes place under the label of discipline. And that, beloved, is intolerable and deserves a lot more time than I can give it this morning. But there is tragedy and there is abuse, but then there is discipline. And some suffering is discipline. Sometimes it's tragedy, sometimes it's abuse, sometimes it's discipline. How do we tell the difference? Well, all of them involve suffering and discomfort. But again, discipline is deliberate discomfort for the sake of development. Now, I want to use an analogy here. Discipline is not emergency medicine. Emergency medicine is repair. I have a friend who's an ER doctor. And what he does is when people get hurt, he repairs them. Discipline, or excuse me, emergency medicine is repair, but discipline is not emergency medicine. Discipline is like corrective surgery. The great physician is not just an emergency room doctor who sews up our wounds after a freak accident. He is the surgeon who wields the scalpel and makes an incision to remove a malignant growth or to correct a malformation for our own good. Discipline is about something that needs to change in us. You've heard me say before that God loves us where he finds us, but he loves us too much to leave us there. In the same way, God loves us as he finds us, 
but he loves us too much to leave us that way. You see, God wants to transform us. God does not necessarily bring to bear serious and severe discipline on us throughout our lives, but there are times when God disciplines us to get our attention. But he always does it for his own purposes, for our good, and for his glory. Whether tragedy or injustice or discipline, no matter what form our suffering takes, all suffering can be redeemed for, God, for, for our good and God's glory. As we often declare in this church, what the Lord allows, he redeems. Even if it's tragic. Even if it's ugly. God can take all suffering and redeem it for our good and his glory. But as we look at Hebrews chapter 12... The author makes clear his declaration that the sufferings of these early Christians in the book of Hebrews are that those sufferings they're enduring are not simply a function of random calamity or human evil. They are experiencing, that is to say, these early Christians are experiencing the Lord's discipline. He was working for their transformation. God was deliberately allowing their discomfort that is to say they're suffering for the sake of their development. And here's what I believe the Lord wants them and us to know in this passage. That we are God's children, that he loves us, and that he wants us to develop as his disciples. So first, from verse 5, we are God's children. We need to remember that discipline happens in the context of a bigger relationship. Look at verse 5. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? God does not discipline us outside of our relationship. He disciplines us within a relationship. Don't forget, when Jesus taught us to pray, he bade us to address God as our Father. Even though we are praying to the emperor of the universe, to the ancient of days who holds the stars in the span of his hand, who commands gravity and light, Jesus wants us to remember our relationship with him. God is not just a force. God is a person. And he invites us to call him Father. He even goes farther. He invites us to call him Abba, Daddy. Now, I don't know what kind of relationship you have with your father. But our God is the father that we are supposed to have. And that we as human fathers can hope to be like. He listens. He cares. He sees us. This is our father. Second, he loves us. Look at verses 5 and 6. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. Listen to verse 6. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Even in discipline, this is still the God who loves us so much that he left heaven to prove it. 
that he became one of us and lived our life to prove it, that he suffered and he died to prove it. For the proof of God's amazing love is this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And because he loves us, he wants to develop us as disciples. Look at verse 7. It is for discipline, that is discipleship, that you have to endure. Discipline is actually proof of God's love. I remember when I was a senior in high school, I got in trouble. And one Saturday morning, my dad woke me up and he put me in the car and he drove me around for about an hour and a half explaining what I had done wrong, why he was upset, what he expected, and why he wanted more from me. Now, you, under, you have to understand, my dad is an attorney. And you have not been disciplined or dressed down till you've been dressed down by an attorney when you're a high school kid. And it was not my best day, and I deserved every bit of it. But later, when I got free, I got together with one of my buddies, and I was angry, and I was hurt, and I was embarrassed. And I told him how my dad had raked me over the coals and put, put me on what I thought was this massive, undeserved guilt trip and how I was being punished. He'd driven me around for an hour and a half just to, just to push me around. And my friend said, you mean your dad talked to you for an hour and a half? My dad never cared enough to talk to me for more than five minutes. My dad didn't drive me around for an hour and a half talking to me because he didn't love me. He did it because he did love me. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Discipline is God's tough love. My dad spoke the truth, but it was the tough truth. And he spoke it in love. So how do we respond to the discipline of God? What's our attitude? How do we respond to his discipline? Look at Hebrews 12, 9 and 10. Hebrews 12, 9 and 10 says, Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them, but our heavenly Father disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. You know, at first, all discipline feels like punishment. But here's the difference. In punishment, God is the judge. In discipline, God is our Father. In punishment, the objects of His discipline, uh, uh, the objects of His discipline are His enemies. In discipline, the objects are His children. In punishment, condemnation is the goal. In discipline, righteousness is the goal. So often, punishment feels like discipline, and discipline feels like punishment. How do we know the difference? Well, here's the problem. When we're suffering, we don't always know the difference. We can't always tell the difference. But here's the truth. All suffering, whether tragic or disciplinary, 
can and should lead us to repentance. Now remember what repentance really means. Repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry for a particular sin. Repentance is examining your life and turning away from sin and turning toward God. It means to turn around. It's turning our focus and our attention from ourselves to Christ. So whether it be tragic or whether it be disciplinary, pain, suffering, should lead us back to God and deeper into God. No matter what the suffering may be. So the question is, how will you respond to divine discipline? Will we respond with rebellion or repentance? Are we going to embrace it as a gift of growth or resist it as a reason for rejection? You know, right now I'm going through a season of discipline. I said that in the earlier service and somebody came up and said, have you been charged with something? No, it's nothing. I, I need to be careful when I say things like this. Church discipline has a whole other context. I'm talking about divine discipline. No, but I'm going through a season of discipline right now. Working out some things in church, working out some things in relationship, working out some things spiritually. And I believe that the Lord is not putting me through this because he doesn't like me, because he doesn't love me. I think he's putting me through, putting me through this to make me aware of my faults, to make me aware of my insecurities, to make me aware of my idols and my blind spots and my shortcomings. But the main reason he's doing it is to lead me to repentance and to re- lead me to renewal. Is that happening to anybody else here or is that just me? Is God taking you through some tough stuff right now? That Maybe, just maybe, he's using that, whether it's tragic or disciplinary, maybe, just maybe, he's using that to help you grow and to make you stronger. Here's the point of the passage. Don't give up. God doesn't hate you. God hasn't abandoned you. He loves you. The discipline that God allows and the suffering God is allowing you to endure is is allowed out of love for you. God is treating you as his son. God is treating you as his daughter. And he is deliberately allowing discomfort for the sake of development. That's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. But that's the case. The paradox of legitimate discipline is that it's hard. Sometimes God does teach us the hard way. Look at verse 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful. Is there ever a time when discipline doesn't seem painful? For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. So how does discipline help us to grow? How does discipleship yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness? God uses discipline to get our attention. And so his discipline should trigger several key questions in us. First, what is my attitude? Am I going to meet this suffering with rebellion, turning away or blaming God? Or am I going to meet it with repentance? turning 
to God, turning toward God, going deeper to him and into him. Whenever suffering begins in my life, and I can't say I'm consistent about this all the time, but whenever I'm experiencing suffering, I always try to start off with a question that I learned from a pastor friend of mine in Ghana, West Africa. He said that whenever you suffer, instead of asking, why is this happening to me? Ask, what is God trying to teach me through this? Second, what is God exposing in me? What fear or arrogance? What blind spot that I never knew I had? What need that I don't want to acknowledge? Third, what is this teaching me about God? What is this teaching me about my Heavenly Father? Is it teaching me that He's going to just leave me the way I am or that He wants something better for me? Is it teaching me about His desire and power for transformation? Fourth, how can this challenge make me stronger and wiser? If you haven't read it lately, read it lately, go back and read Romans 5, 3 through 5. Paul writes, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Endurance. Excuse me, suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope. Isn't that what we all want? Fifth, suffering and discipline force me to ask, who's going to walk through this with me? God sent angels to minister to Jesus in the wilderness. Who are the people that God is sending to you to help you grow and hold you accountable? And then finally, what is it that he is preparing me to do? Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What are the good works that he is preparing you for, that he's prepared up beforehand, that he's trying to develop you for so that you can succeed? God disciplines us because he loves us and he knows that there is more in you than you know. And he wants to develop those good things and get rid of the obstacles. In verses 14 through 17, he says, he says, get rid of the root of bitterness. Get rid of sexual immorality. He wants to cut that out of you so it's not an obstacle, so it's not a hindrance, so it's not a liability. And then he wants to develop. He wants to stretch and stress and build up those things that are good in you and that he's put there so that you can do the work that he has already set aside for you to do. Therefore he, said, therefore, he says, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. I love this to paraphrase that. Take a new grip with your tired hands. You ever feel like you're just, you can't hold on anymore? Stand firm on your shaky legs. Do you feel like your knees are weak? 
Take a new grip with your tired hands and stand firm on your shaky legs. Don't give up. God does not hate you. God has not abandoned you. He loves you. And there is something that he wants to do in you and through you. And he is disciplining you to develop you for his purposes. The author of Hebrews begins this chapter on discipline with the example of Jesus. Jesus, who even though he was without sin, showed us how to endure discipline. The author of Hebrews tells us to look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Remember that whatever suffering we experience, whatever discipline we feel, he understands from his temptation in the wilderness to his death on the cross. He has never asked us to endure anything that he was not willing to endure himself. Before he ever asked us to trust God, he trusted God. Before he ever asked us to bet our lives on the Father, he bet his life on the Father. Before he ever asked us to give ourselves a living sacrifice for one another, he gave himself as our sacrifice for sins. Beloved, being conformed to the image of Christ is hard. Bearing one another's burdens is hard. Endurance is hard. Taking up your cross is hard. But sometimes God makes it hard so that we will be stronger and wiser and more holy. You see, Jesus didn't make, Jesus didn't do the hard things to make holiness easy. Jesus did the hard things to show us that holiness is hard, but that it's worth it. Will you pray with me? Oh, Lord, this is a hard passage to read. It is a hard passage to preach. And it is a hard word to live. But you have promised that you will bring out the best in us for works that you have prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. And you have promised that by making things hard, you would make us stronger and wiser and more holy. And so, oh, Lord, help us to welcome your discipline. Help us to embrace, not only with respect, but with love, the ways that you are trying to develop us. Lord, give us patience to endure and the wisdom to understand that you love us as your children and you are shaping us as your disciples. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.